All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 182. Um, I've been really looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. Um, I have one of the great unifiers with me today. But um, first, shameless plugs, make sure you go check out tigerfitness.com for all your supplements and also Element for the world's best electrolytes and go to foxandsonscoffee.com and use code Kyle at checkout to get yourself some absolutely phenomenal coffee from a local business, much like my old man's. Um, we preach localization, decentralization as libertarians all the time. So make sure you go check that stuff out. So without further ado, let's go. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, okay? yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, there we go. I think I got that all right. I'm, I'm a little shaky on StreamYard. Anyways, Mike Jackman, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. How are you, Kyle? Excellent. Um, you know, we we're talking a little bit off air, a little bit of a hectic day, but um, nonetheless, I'm glad to be sitting down with you and, uh, you know, kind of shooting the ship because we have a lot of uh, shared interests. So um, you were on the show actually before I ended up with this uh, ring here on my finger <laughs> back in uh, November, um, you and your brother. And then I had um, some of our mutuals on Connor Freeman, Pat McFarlane and um, Reed Coverdale on to talk about the uh, state of the liberty and anti-war movement. So um, I guess real quick, let's give you your uh, solo introduction because uh, uh, this is your first time by yourself on the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, great to be here. And uh, yeah, I understand you had to uh, change a tire today uh, for, for the missus, it sounds like. And Indeed. I'll tell you, I've never, I've never seen um, another human being change a tire as fast as Reed Coverdale. We, had, we, we were doing a we were doing a, um, a live podcast comedy thing up at the Shell, uh, this really cool um, Liberty hangout in New Hampshire. And, uh, we were on our way back. The show was like two and a half hours from our house and we blew out a tire and Reed happened to be driving near us. And we called him and dude came over, man, and put the spare on. I, I swear it was just like a few minutes. It's like a NASCAR pit crew. <laughs> I, I, so I bet you can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I hate doing it at home, but, um, you know, for anybody that ever needs anything, you know, if they were in sincere need of help, I'd always be right there for him. And Reed's definitely one of those guys too. And I, think that both you and your brother are definitely some of those guys as well oh absolutely yeah we, we and uh yeah we love helping people any way we can man within our means and, and what we can do and that's really how the world goes around and i agree with uh what you said there in your intro about decentralization and and having things be local that's really how we're gonna that's how we're gonna go on i believe as a society you know if things do um do go the way of a lot of these like uh, apocalyptic TV shows or the way some people think. But um, yeah, so I co-host Jackman Radio with my brother, Eric, who, who's been on here a couple times that, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm big into comedy and music and politics uh, and, you know, freedom and being left alone. Uh, mm -hmm. like, like Ron Paul says, you know, I, I don't want to run your life. I don't know how to run your life. You know, why would I want to, you know, and then and, and, and I don't want my life being run by anybody. So mm -hmm. pretty, it's basic stuff you would think, but. Um, you know, a, a lot of our political institutions and uh, organizations within the government are not so keen on uh, leaving people alone, as we know. So. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's uh, very, very unfortunate. And, um, you know, I see it in my everyday life, um, you know, as an automotive technician as to kind of the arbitrary standards they set on vehicles. But, uh, you know, that's a whole uh, kind of separate subject. But, yeah, I, you would think a lot of these kind of rules and values would be common sense to a lot of people. But um, it's not always so obvious that they are, which is um, really unfortunate. And um, one thing that I always admired about you and your brother, and I told you um, guys both this on the last podcast, is that you guys both have this non-dogmatic approach to political stuff. And I, I do look at you guys' attitude and perspective is like my north star but i am just way too like easily you know the the bull and the red flag i'm way too easily taunted and i can't help but talking shit um i, I look at you guys all the time as kind of like a just a, a paragon of something to strive for oh thanks man i, I really i really appreciate that man that, that's kind of you to say that and yeah i mean i you know i uh, i'm 36 now certainly you know 
20 uh, year old me was a little different. Um, I was a little more fired up and I mean, I'm so fired up and passionate, but I'm just more like, Hey man, people have their beliefs. They, they're going to believe what they want to believe and, and we're going to have our disagreements, but that's fine, man. That's what makes this place great. This, that's what makes the experiment of America uh, thrive. And, you know, I think one of the worst things we've seen, especially in the last three years is the censorship and um, not letting people have the ability to question narratives uh, openly and have a discussion because if you can't have an open discussion about something serious like that, that's the, you know, we're just trending in the wrong direction. So right. what I try to do with the podcast is um, have people on, just have open discussions and, you know, let, let them talk as much as possible. Uh, certainly I get excited sometimes and I don't mean to interrupt, but you know, you think of a question or whatever, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just, you know, having conversations with people and um, you know, I'm not on Twitter. Eric's on Twitter. I'm sure you, you're on there with him and, and yeah. uh, he's, you know, he can drop some spice every now and again, but yeah, he tries to avoid the, flame war wars and personal attacks and um because you know most of those people on there man they're just anonymous trolls you know you guys have your name your actual name and your face and who you are and you know you're not anonymous so we try not to yeah we try not to be antagonistic. the only ones we're antagonistic to are the warmongers but that's okay they deserve it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know? what, what one uh kind of revealing event for some people was perhaps the uh, megan mccain happy holidays tweet and um i i know i i definitely threw some bombs there and i did have a, a tweet that i don't want to say went viral but it definitely got a lot of attraction i did call tim pole who uh i, I see a use for him but he, he kind of angers me at the same time um i called him a pussy because he uh said god damn this is awful or, or this is fucking awful or something like that to the megan mccain tweet and then oh, yeah. He, yeah he eventually came out with a tweet and said oh matt walsh taught me to be mean to worse people so i screenshotted that and put that and you know that's when i called him a pussy so that, like sometimes the dunks are just way too easy and right you gotta go 20, for it yeah yeah so i i've been told before that if you see a shot take a shot so I feel you. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. And certainly in my earlier years, man, I had threads on Facebook, man. And I've I, some of them come back up and it's like, oh, that's cringe. But yeah, you know, the uh a lot of the political stuff is is still consistent. You know, I mean, I've supported candidates from all all over uh parties and different uh they agreed on other they disagreed on other issues, but for me, man, the the you know, the the shining star and the, the one issue that's always got to be consistent is, is anti-war and not mm -hmm. uh, nation building and invading other countries and, and being in favor of, uh, um, you know, a militaristic approach for everything. So that's why I've supported anybody from uh, uh, base plant lady Jill Stein to uh, Ron Paul and, and Tulsi. I mean, that you, you, you were at the march there with Eric, man. You saw that coalition. That was like a that was like a dream come true seeing that, man, seeing all those you know, figures together who have always, you know, been against the wars and uh, speaking out about the the uh, dangers of nation building and empire and surveillance too, really. I mean, that doesn't, you never hear about that too much anymore on the mainstream media. Um, well, the only time you hear about surveillance is when they're referring to TikTok, which is just always kind of ironic because yeah, it's China. As you, right. As you and I well know, you, you can't worry about the, um, you know, that certain country over the Middle East um that's doing it or you know your own government mm -hmm. it always right. is under the guise of this is china doing this to us oh yeah and i, I watched uh, i don't know if you've got a chance to look at it i watched most of john stossel's interview with mike pompeo and oh uh, god he, i can't oh, he, imagine it, it, it was pretty good i mean stossel <laughs> stossel asked him some good questions and uh of course pompeo is just the ultimate china hawk you know he's like the right wing answer of the uh liberals and democrats of ukraine you know it's just like the same side of the same coin um but I think he's going to be running for president, and if he is, he'll definitely be up here in New Hampshire, and hopefully we'll be able to interview him. And um, you know, we want to try and interview everybody, man. I mean, you know, we sit down. I'll sit down with Liz Cheney if she wants to sit down. You know, <laughs> it'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah, you just got to make sure you have a big old, you know, poster on the wall of that beautiful LPNH. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, or, or yeah, Ron Paul. She's like, wait a minute, what, what, what did I walk into here? You know, hopefully, you guys see are you guys actually gonna or ask me like hard questions these aren't gonna be softballs right yeah no i know and, and actually um i don't know i don't think we've announced this yet but eric and i next week are going to a uh a dinner and an event that mike pence is going to be speaking at so oh we'll be, my god <laughs> we'll be able to get to meet you can have dinner and you get a photo with him and uh i don't know 
I'm, I'm friends with the owner of the restaurant. It's actually a place where I play on my band plays on New Year's. So I texted mm -hmm. the owner earlier and said, Hey, I'm coming. I'm looking forward to it. And she's like, Oh, great. So we're not going to cause a scene or anything. But um, if anything, I'll try to, you know, talk to his people and see if we could possibly get him on the podcast. I mean, why not? You know? Yeah, well, one thing that I kind of alluded to earlier with you guys approach is a non-dogmatic approach, because as you said earlier, you'll support anybody as long as they're anti-war. And um, I, I see kind of like two sides of this coin where you do have almost like a necessary level of gatekeeping to make sure that people are anti, you know, all wars because, you know, the current thing is going to be China. But at the same time, you have to, you know, pat people on the back or tell them they're in the right direction when they're going in the right direction. And what I'm seeing with some libertarians is that they're not willing to accept that, you know, some people are just good enough where they're at and they're maybe moving over in a certain direction. Um, there's somebody that comes to mind in particular that says, Oh, well, it's too late right now to be anti Ukrainian war or something like that. But, um, you know, to see the Republicans coming out firmly against all the funding and everything like that. Um, I, I don't see that. I, I don't know how people can see that as a net negative thing. And when yeah. you have good left wingers who are good on China and they're coming out and saying, you know, the same thing about like, Hey, we shouldn't arm Taiwan. We shouldn't be putting bombers on Australia or whatever. Um, I think that's a good thing as well. And if they're not perfect on Ukraine, well, then, you know, over time you have to work with these people to help kind of win them over to our direction. So um, I know that's kind of a lot, but do you see there necessarily being a balance between kind of saying like you're not quite there or where you need to perhaps encourage people? Yeah, I mean, I think if you show them, you know, if they're willing to listen and, and hear your point of view and, you, you know, you make your, your points and it's not like an attack based thing. I think people can be can can look at something and change their minds. I have seen that. Um, I mean, unfortunately, you know, yeah, you, we we hear from the extremes, and there's a very tribalistic nature to politics, to uh, left and right, you know, Coke and Pepsi, and certainly on a lot of the big issues, both parties line up. I mean, they're they're just, yeah. you know, they're more for more government, they're for expansion of, uh, you know, the budgets, they're they're you know printing more money. I mean, both parties are doing that, so. Um, but yeah, on a person to person basis, when you sit down with someone and you can just appeal to their humanity and talk to them, um, I think you can get some things across and potentially change minds. And I think that's how it's going to have to be done. I mean, mm. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's not encouraging the hundred billion dollars that is essentially just part of a large money laundering operation. And mm. um, there was even a, uh, an investigation that came out recently that showed, I don't know, 80 or 90% of that money didn't even go to you know, it's intended use, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously I feel horrible for the people of Ukraine. I mean, I, I, it's a, it's not a black and white situation. I feel bad for the people in Russia who are anti-war, who are being locked up, who, who are not, mm -hmm. you know, who are not allowed to voice their opinions on this and who are being conscripted and forced to fight. But there's people in Ukraine who are being forced to fight as well. And Zelensky has done a lot of authoritarian moves. So, you know, it's, if you can explain to someone that this thing didn't happen in a vacuum and it didn't happen overnight and it goes back many years and, you know, treaties were violated and uh, Putin obviously felt, you know, aggressed upon and, and his border was being, um, you know, I just say to people, hey, what if, uh, you know, China set up a base in Mexico and they had guns aimed at America? How would we respond? Mm. What would we yeah. think about that? Let you alone know? shelling over into Dallas, Texas or something like that, you know, shooting yeah. stuff right over the border or even in the situation of like, let's say there would be a disputed border because that's exactly what it was. And some of these people were ethnically Russian, overwhelmingly voted to be part of Russia. I mean, this right. is a very, very complicated topic. And it um, it, yeah. And as you were alluding to earlier, there is a very tribalistic nature to politics where you have a lot of people on the right saying that this wouldn't have happened under Donald Trump, which to me just is absolutely ridiculous because he tore up the nuclear tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It never would have happened, Kyle. <laughs> never would have happened. This I, I, never would have happened. I could end this thing in 24 hours. Okay, Putin, I did a lot of strong things when I was in there with Putin, but one thing, he never changed, but one thing he didn't do was attack Ukraine when I was in there, okay? Obama sent pillows and blankets, I sent tactical deadly weapons. So, and the thing is, though, the king is part of this, though, man. He did, you know, he did ultimately, you know, he's proud of the fact that he sent deadly weapons, and so he certainly didn't didn't help. Um, of course, the, the saying is, you know, that he's touting, I didn't start any new wars, and you know, we ended the Afghan war. Well, you know, that may be true, but they still certainly dropped a lot of bombs all around the world and let a couple mm. of coups. So, <laughs> yeah, well, and see, that's the part that gets let out. And that's what's so frustrating is because for, um, 
people like you and I read Adam Fitzgerald and a lot of the guys from the anti-war, you know, antiwar.com and the Libertarian Institute, I do believe we're kind of the truth seekers and we're trying to make sure that the right information is put out there because misinformation and this kind of really, this revelation came for me through kind of like nutrition information that misinformation really does hurt people when they're not given the full context or all the tools necessary to evaluate the situation before them, then, you know, you're, you're starting off on faulty ground and therefore you may not be able to make accurate decisions or assess, you know, the situation that's laid out before you. And this is the problem when you have people saying that, Oh, well, you know, this happened because Biden's weak. Well, what about 2014? What about some of the stuff that was happening in the early two thousands? You know, the fact that there's a disputed border there. Um, and like we were saying earlier, you know, some of the coups and some of the sending the weapons in and all this other stuff there's a very very complex history here but people have to know this so that way they can accurately assess what you know what the situation is but if you just tell people that this just happened because biden's weak and history started on what was it february 24th of 2022 yeah. um it, it's it's dumb and it doesn't help it anybody is. yeah it, it really it, it kind of just uh waters it down and, and 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 puts it into it doesn't really put it into any context and um yeah, if you tell them about Victoria Newland and President Biden's statements about the Nord Stream pipeline, I mean, that, that's an act of war blowing that pipeline up. Yeah. And uh, Cy Hirsch did a really great piece on that. I don't know if you've had a chance to read that, but, um, you know, he's, he has an anonymous source but for that. And he's being criticized, of course, and he's not naming who his source is. But that's how he's always operated. And he's he knows people who are part of these operations. And he, he's... Um, you know, he gets to know the, the, the operators and, and the people who are, who are, you know, close to something like that. And, um, you know, he, 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 his big thing that he broke in the late 60s or early 70s was the uh, My Lay Massacre in Vietnam. Yeah. He did a great piece, I think it was either for The New Yorker or The New York Times about Abu Ghraib. Um, he's done a lot of a lot of really great work. But now yeah. The New York Times won't touch him with a 10 foot pole because it doesn't serve their narrative. Um, right. But I mean, basically his piece, you know, that they had that thing in, in the works, the workings for a long time. And, uh, you know, Biden greenlit it. And, you know, you're not hearing Greta Thunberg talk about the environmental implications about that one or Al Gore. No. It's interesting. You know, it's, it's the same thing with uh, the train derailment there in, in Ohio. So mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that everything is politicized and, you know, whichever side wants to put a certain spin on it to fit their to fit their narrative and, and, uh, their, you know, their ends. Um, but I mean, it's crazy. You know, we, we most likely we did it. We blew the pipeline up mm. and there's just no, it's just like a collective shrug. Yeah. It, it, you would think that something like that were literally destroying a country's infrastructure, a significant part of it too. Um, you think that'd be, you know, that'd make, breaking news that make headlines but yeah like you said it's just a shrug um and really like the treatment of a lot of news by alt media is so frustrating anymore and i've been talking about this i've been you know beat my head against a wall because you do have people like tim pool or um some of these other commentators who like to present themselves as neutral arbiters of information but they do have a clear bias and let, let that bias out a lot, but they tell people they don't have a bias. So people assume that they're getting once again, non-bias information, but you're getting right. one side of the story, not, you know, the whole picture. And that's something that's just always been so frustrating for me. And once again, it's why I admire people like you and your brother and then Adam, because you guys kind of come at this and say, this is what it is. This is my perspective. This is the way I interpret it. And, you know, this is, you know, where we stand. I, I just hate this idea of presenting people information in a way that's very deceitful. Because once again, yeah. as I said earlier, it, it just, it doesn't help people. And people can't accurately no. assess what's in front of them when they're presented with information like that. And that's what I always try to tell people, man. Just read, read everything. You know, I read the mainstream stuff. I'll read CNN's take. I'll read Politico, uh, New York Times, Washington Post. Um, you know, then I'll look at what the alternative media is saying about it. And then I'll just... I'll kind of read between the lines and, and, and yeah, kind of feel it out. And that's how I come up. Yeah. That's really how I come up with it. I mean, I really do try to read as much as I can about a topic I'm interested in and I try to be as fair and, you know, I, I don't get everything right. Not, you know, we're only human. If I get something wrong and I realize it's wrong, I'll, I'll correct it and, and move on. I think that's a, that's a good way to be with information. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, it sh shouldn't be, you want something to be 
a certain way or you want it to be right and you need to cherry pick and fit the narrative for your own preconceived notions on something. And I think a lot of people can see through that. But like you said earlier, man, I mean, misinformation, you know, people are, I mean, like the, the, the Q stuff, man, that just melted a lot of people's brains and, you know, it lumped in serious, credible JFK assassination, assassin, assassination research with, uh, you know, uh, JFK Jr.'s alive and uh, there's, you know, colonies on Mars and you know, Trump's, <laughs> Trump's doing a symbol that's going to like, you know, he's, he's signaling to, to he's going to eradicate the deep state. And so that a lot of people went along for that ride, man. And it just it's uh, it wasn't good. You know, because I think I think what happened was you, you, a lot of people who were not ever interested in politics or had ever read a book uh, suddenly got involved very quickly and went into these their own rabbit holes and uh, not a lot, didn't stumble upon a lot of great information, unfortunately. But right. that's but that stuff shouldn't it shouldn't be, you know, obviously, I'm sure we agree. It, you know, there should be no censorship. Everything should be allowed mm -hmm. to be out there. But you, you really right. got to use your own discernment and. Mm -hmm. I guess a lot of people don't have that or they haven't developed it yet. So you just always got to try to promote the best information for sure. Yeah, it's it's really sad because you're seeing this with a, a certain treatment in the documentary that was put out. And I, I hate how just, you know, how it's one side or the other where um, it's either this treatment is population control or it's, you know, safe and 100% effective. And, you know, you're never going to get sick again. If you get this, um, there's room in between and you could find data to support, you know, really either which way, but, um, you know, I try to present that to people as like, Hey, this information I found um, when people go far one, you know, one side or the other, a lot of the times they don't have any information to back it up and people no. just make these claims. They look at you like you're crazy when you mm -hmm. disagree with them and say, Hey, this is what I can verify. And now we're at the point now where people look at you like you got six heads when you give a source for something, or if you ask for a source, because like, once again, if you, if what you're saying is right, you should be able to back it up pretty easily. Like, uh, one reason why I admire Dave DeCamp is when he's on Twitter, he'll always say what, you know, what he found. And then I'll put a story right after that, that, yeah love that because once again you can verify what he's saying but just people who just say this stuff and then i've even seen people say oh well you know i you just know some things are true do you do you know some things are true it's just yeah it's commonly accepted yeah, yeah. it's just it's, it's a universal truth you know you know that kyle i know that we all know that everybody, everybody knows, knows it <laughs> did you catch any of his cpac speech no, I haven't yet, but I did see one where um, there's a clip where he said uh, he was going to drain the swamp or something like that. And I just quote tweeted and put Trump campaign for Lindsey Graham. <laughs> oh, he's going to drain a lot more than that, Kyle. <laughs> going to drain a lot more than that. I got my knee pads ready. I got them ready. Yeah, he was, uh, boy, he was like, he was like, I'll be your vengeance. I'll be your retribution. It was like biblical fire and brimstone. Like, mm -hmm. it's like a, uh, some kind of revenge tour. Um, Chris Christie yeah. pointed out, though, that the hall wasn't full. And that's a sign that his, his popularity may be slipping. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I think DeSantis will enter soon. And, and we'll, that's, we're going to see, we're probably going to see a bloodbath. I can't wait to see it, man. The oh, I can't wait. It, yeah, I can't wait either. Greatest show on earth, man. Yeah. Real quick. You know? uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> it, it, when you mentioned Chris Christie, it reminded me of the 2016 debates. One of my favorite videos ever was Rand Paul when he was grilling Chris Christie. Use the Fourth Amendment. Use or you, you know, get a warrant. Get a warrant. Did you sign a warrant? And I know, you know, you gave Obama a hug, and you know what? You can give him another big hug or something like that. Oh, it was fucking great that was That's like so yeah I, I don't know if you remember uh or if you watch those debates but Rand paul oh. in those debates he was fucking spot on sometimes like i'm like holy shit i'm surprised when they let him talk when they let him talk yeah right he's like or, i remember up here name calling i don't think the american people are interested in middle school tactics and name calling when we have <laughs> pfizer we, we, we have pfizer courts abusing their authority yeah mm -hmm. rand i gave you a lot of money boy you're having a tough time tonight and there's a lot of things i could say about rand's appearance but i've been nice you know, he's like, I've been nice. Pretty soon, I don't even know why Rand Paul is on the stage. He's at one percent. Pretty soon, he's going to be off the stage. Rand's over there just smirking, you know. <laughs> but you know, it could it could be you know that Rand Paul may have been the reason that Trump didn't uh, bomb Iran, you know, because he was yeah. on the golf course with him. You know, he was telling him not to do it, you know, yeah. which is. God, that's crazy. You know, it's like Rand Paul and friggin' Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, who 20 years ago was a huge Iraq war cheerleader. So yep. he was dead wrong about that and, you know, serving interests. But 
he's really one of the only ones in the so-called mainstream that would allow uh, RFK Jr. to be on or Tulsi or um, anybody to, um, you know, question the, the prevailing narrative. So good on him for doing that, you know. Doesn't doesn't make me like the biggest Fox News fan in the world, but at least they're letting people go on like Scott Horton and, and uh, you know, hey, Reed went on there. That's awesome. So that's that's a step in the right direction, you know about earlier was um just like there's a difference between the ideal and sort of stepping in the right direction and when you see somebody like matt gates pushing for this ukraine fatigue bill um that's a step in the right direction we should congratulate that um when he's pushing to i think his bill was to remove the aumf in syria that's phenomenal and i really don't know anybody that would really hark on him for that but then you see him vote like to maintain sanctions on syria especially after this earthquake situation it's like well <sighs> what the hell's going on here, man? You were doing really good. And then of course, CPAC and everybody's got a posture to China. And then he's saying all this dumb stuff about intellectual property and the fentanyl claims and the TikTok stuff. And it's like, they're so close. If they would just drop this China stuff, I would be the biggest Republican supporter ever because I agree with them on a lot of stuff. And, and like, it's good to see them anti-Iraq war. Now, I don't think that a lot of them are sincere about it. I think that it is mostly just because Trump said some of the right things, but mm. who cares? The message is out there and a lot of the people agree with it. So let's run with it, you know? Yeah, you're going to take the wins. You're going to take the wins when you can right. get them. And, and it seems like these days, man, when it comes to uh, uh, freedom and, and not uh, – pushing us further into world war three insanely enough it's the republicans who are, are good on this issue it's like whoa mm -hmm. you know it's 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 kind of crazy yeah who the hell would have thought <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of not i mean you're still going to have you're going to have your neocons and your ghouls you're going to have your lindsey graham and you know pompeo and, and others who are you're going to you know love any war but mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy to see a lot of republicans uh you know being anti-war now and, yeah you know, a lot of Democrats or people who identify as liberal won't even they don't even want to talk about it. it just doesn't even yeah. they don't even want to talk about it. It's very bizarre. It's uh, it's unfortunate that people would put a political or an ideology ahead of the right thing. You know, mm -hmm. of doing the right thing and and being on the right side of history. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So um, we were kind of, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, the King versus Giga Chad for Israel. Um, DeSantis, um, what, what are your thoughts? Because I'm thinking if Trump is the nominee, I think he'll lose. And it, I, I don't think there's any chance that Trump wins and could totally be wrong. But um, I think if it's, you know, Giga Chad, then I think he wins like in a landslide because he's got that fire and he's like a, he's laser focused when he's on he's on um the only time i really saw him falter was in that debate with uh that old donkey as he called him i, I can't even remember oh, chris yeah yeah Charlie, <laughs> Charlie chris. chris yeah, yeah that was did, the only time he froze there and that was like the only time I'm like he might not do good against the king that's what i'm thinking i mean that's where trump is like i mean you, you were talking about earlier the 2016 primary debates those were amazing and <laughs> he probably did 20 of those so he's that's when he's at his best, dude, when he's in attack mode and he's having fun. He's up there. He's got nicknames for everybody. And, you know, DeSantis is just now kind of going into the national stage on a bigger level. He just did a big event in California trolling Gavin Newsom. And he's looking good. It looks like he's down some weight. You know, they, they got him dialed in. They got the makeup. I mean, he's 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 they got him. Certainly they're they're prepping him to, to be presidential. Um, but I think as far as the polls go and I know, say what you will about polling, um, he's he's behind Trump right now in a lot of polls, but you know, that could go back and forth, but it's going to be a slugfest. I mean, one of Trump's biggest supporters was Sheldon Adelson, who was a big uh, Israel guy and he passed away and his wife got all, you know, all the money and inherited the political machine. She's now cozying up with DeSantis. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of billionaires that are had previously backed Trump that are getting into DeSantis's corner. Um, and he's got the, you know, the, the whole woke, uh, you know, the woke wars. He's at he's the tip of the spear for that. Um, but I really think he's just, he's your classic neocon at the end of the day. He's yeah. a Bush era neocon. Um, you know, Mike Preisner from uh, um, Media. Yeah, we, we, he, he did an amazing report on uh, when DeSantis was a, a JAG lawyer down at Guantanamo Bay. And mm -hmm. uh, he, his job was to supposedly advocate for the prisoners down there and make sure they were being treated humanely and, and you know, their concerns were, were, were being 
uh, met. And in reality, he was overseeing them being strapped to chairs and tortured uh, during, they were doing a hunger strike, so they weren't eating. So the, the, they were basically, according to one prisoner, ex-prisoner down there, they were, they were force feeding them insurer. And DeSantis was just there watching it happen, kind of not really doing much. So, that, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of guy you're really looking at. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, not to be too long-winded on it, he could get the nomination, but I don't know. I still, I still think you know the king has a lot of support, man. And, and if you see a lot more people enter the race, you know, if you see seven to ten candidates enter, and a lot of them get one percent, two percent, three percent, all the king needs is like twenty-seven to thirty percent, man, and he'll get the nomination. So he doesn't need. You know, like last time, the clown car circus of like 16 candidates, however many it was, that really boded well in his favor. And I think it will again. So I think yeah. he, he he could get the nomination, but I would tend to agree with your train of thought that that he would lose to Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people think that the economy and everything's so bad and they're not wrong. But um, I, I think a lot of people have this disconnect and they don't connect that Trump's complicity in this. But also the fact that a lot of people just have this fatigue from the absolute hysteria just 24 seven over Trump. And a lot of people um, I, I think his major downfall was 2020. And when you're telling everybody how great America is right now, after, you know, tons and tons of people just got completely annihilated through lockdowns, which weren't entirely his fault, but still to a degree he was complicit in, um, people felt slapped in the face. People of, you know, like yours and mine generation who are struggling to pay back student debt and stuff like that. You're being told that it's the greatest economy ever and you can't afford to go out and buy a house. Like people feel, <laughs> people feel like they're getting fucking punched in the gut and people don't like that. So the younger people say, well, you know, I, I don't, I personally don't agree with this, but they say, Hey, um, Biden seems like he's more normal. He's saying he's going to bring us back to, you know, when times are good, I'm just pulling the lever for this guy because he seems better than Trump. Now, once again, my personal opinion, I do think Biden's better than, or I'm sorry, Trump's better than Biden, but, um, I think just people didn't know and they just knew what was going on right then. And they're like, well, life sucks for me. This guy seems a little bit more normal. I'm going this way. And I think people will do that again. Oh, totally. I, I agree. I mean, even though Biden has clear, I would say clear co cognitive decline and there's clearly some issues going on right. and, um, you know, not, not to be ageist, but the dude's an old, he's an old 80. He's he's not like a, a Ron Paul 80. Ron Paul, who's right. 87, by the way, still sharp as attack and still out there fighting the fight. Yeah. So there are certainly people who are in their 80s and even 90s that are still sharp and with it and, and still vital. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot um to be said for someone older with, with their wisdom and experience being in there. So, you know, a lot of people like to make that, that case for, uh, you know, for someone like Biden, obviously I, I disagree with, I mean, the dude was, he was one of the architects of the Iraq war. He, when he was in the Senate, he had a very power, powerful position. Um, I was either on the, I think it was the foreign relations um, committee or the, 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 I forget which one it was, but he was the chair of that committee and he had the hearings and he had the authority to allow or not allow a debate about voting for the war. And Lincoln Chafee, the only Republican senator who voted against the war, wanted to have a debate about it. And Biden shut that down. There was no debate. And Biden voted for the war and he was totally in lockstep with the Bush administration. Um, Biden is also uh, one of the authors of the, uh, the Patriot Act. A lot of people don't realize that. So... Mm. You know, those are the big issues that why I would never support them. Um, but yeah, there was the perception, I think, by a lot of people, like you said, man, massive Trump fatigue. I still think there is Trump fatigue, um, but, you know, he could just squeak out the nomination again. But does he win the general? I think that's a lot harder uh, this time around. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, DeSantis, if he runs, I think he will absolutely crush Biden just because he has a lot less of that kind of hysteria around him and yeah. he's a little bit more stomachable for a lot or stomachable if that's even a word but uh he's a lot more easy to digest for most people he's more digestible yeah 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 there you yeah. go um yeah he, he he just is a lot more appealing to people because he's a younger face and um you know our mutual friend reed had laid this out very very well i do think he's kind of like a right-wing obama who kind of has he's the shining star of the republican party and he's he has reagan yeah right and he has a really really good record to run on and this is where he could really pound trump into the sand is he said hey you know you completely messed up the handling of COVID. look at my state and look at how the country went and i mean right there 
it's undeniable. You can't, you know, you can't argue with DeSantis on that. Nobody can, because he really, he he's really, really good at putting his finger in the wind and feeling which way the winds are blowing. Trump to he had that in 2016. Yeah. yeah but he doesn't yeah. have I don't think he has it anymore. I think he kind of lost it because I remember actually not even 15 minutes away from where I work, he brought out the Johnson and Johnson CEO. Dude, you could have heard a pen drop mm-hmm. in that freaking arena. And I mean, just two years prior, um, where my band opened up for Steel Panther. I want to pivot over to this here in a second, but um, nice. Yeah, fifty-four thousand people showed up chanting, "We love you." I mean, like rednecks in the middle of nowhere, people, you know, in a town where one half is like the most ritzy motherfuckers you ever met, and the other half, you know, maybe there's a collective thirty-two teeth. Um, fifty-four thousand <laughs> people show up to cheer on for Trump. So I, I, I don't think that's going to happen again. But DeSantis, I think people, I think people line up for him. Yeah, no, there's a lot of interest in him. He's definitely it, it now is his moment. I mean, this is his time to run. In reality, yeah. I kind of was thinking, well, maybe he waits four years. And I mean, that happened to Christie. Christie should have ran in 2012, mm-hmm. and he waited, and then we saw what happened. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of interest in DeSantis, but. Um, ultimately, we'll see how he does on the debate stage, man. There could be a moment, man, where the king goes for the jugular dude. I mean, he's he's quick on the draw. Like he's, I agree though. He, there's there's he seems more fatigued. He's lost. He has kind of lost an edge a little bit. Like he just kind of doesn't seem as fired up and excited about it about it as he was. Um, so I mean, a lot of MAGA people are going for DeSantis. So it's going to be very interesting. I think DeSantis is the only one who could mount a legitimate challenge to the king so it's uh it's coming man i think that first debate's going to be in july or august or something like that and i can't wait oh dude i can't wait ron de sanctimonious ron meatball de sanctimonious little we got little meatball here look at him he's just like he's just like he's ragu paste kyle i mean he's disgusting he's over there and yeah he's just he's awful it's like you know trump was the one that created the meatball though you know the meatball grew off of his shoulder and then it look what it's turned into yeah, uh, well, Reed brought up a good point too that it's going to be funny watching him debate all the people that he appointed and oh, try to tear them down. <laughs> yeah, Pence, Pompeo, uh, Meatball, um, Haley, Haley. Oh, dude, it's it's going to get nasty. He's going he's probably going to be so rude to Mike Pence too. And I, I can't wait to see that. He's gonna, he's just. <laughs> The protesters of January six, Mike. I'm not going to say what they wanted to do, but they should have did it. <laughs> It was, they were very, they said tough things. They said very strong things and you didn't have the spine to do it. You were, you pushed out, Mike, you know, that's, it'll, it'll be like probably the first reunion since then. I don't think he's seen the King. I don't think they've seen each other since January of 2021. I wouldn't oh, no be surprised. Way. Wow. So God, that first debate, man, the, the ratings are going to be through the roof, Kyle. You're not going to believe the ratings. It's going to be like Dallas meets American Idol meets The Apprentice and people are going to be clamoring for it. Like you wouldn't believe <laughs> well, I guess uh, we can put a little bow on that because the other thing I want to talk to you about was your uh, kind of musical career because I, your brother sent me pictures. I've seen pictures of you playing. So were you like out of the womb, picking the bones for the babies, playing the drums with the bones of the babies? Uh, were you beating the skins that way or like uh, kind of what got you into music? And I, I thought like you and your brother were more into like classic rock stuff. But then when you're telling me you met Dave Brockie from Gore, I'm like, oh, my god so uh yeah. yeah i don't want to steal your thunder too much but yeah go ahead yeah no i mean i love all kinds of music um but yeah i do really i think classic rock and rock and roll are kind of my main main forte in an area of interest i love post-punk i love a uh, good pop song um yeah so i mean i you know from a young age man i was always big on music my uh, parents had a record player in the living room and you know they had albums they had vinyl albums that and i would put on they had uh, the Beatles, John Lennon, the Moody Blues, um, you know, so I would just put that on and listen to it. And that's kind of how I discovered uh, music. And then I really, the first bands that I kind of discovered on my own and really liked uh, was like uh, Green Day, uh, The Offspring. Okay. Um, you know, I, I was big into Michael Jackson when I was little. I, Eric's actually really good at moonwalking. We'll have to have him do that for you. Oh, no next, next, time, <laughs> next time you see him. Dude, yeah. Eric's got moves, man. I got to tell you, he's, he's, a, he's a great dancer and he's a, he's a very... Uh, athletic individual uh you know even given his uh a man of his stature let's say he's uh he's he's actually we're, we're both athletic believe it or not i mean I, I used to be more but uh but yeah music um i started playing drums in middle school uh probably eighth seventh or eighth grade i think eighth grade so i just 
you know, our parents uh, bought Eric a drum set for Christmas one year, actually, and he didn't really, he didn't play or take to it. And I started playing and that's kind of how I got into drumming. So probably I was 13, 13 or 14, something like that. 14 when I started playing drums, you know, self-taught, um, you know, I had bands in high school and we, you know, did covers, tried to do some originals. Um, and then in 2008, I, uh, was asked to go jam with uh, three former teachers of mine, actually, that I had in oh, high wow. school. And um, I ended up joining with them. And uh, that's my band, Northern Stone. I've been playing with those guys ever since. And wow. uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, you know, you know how it is, man, the gigs, playing the gigs and then the adrenaline afterwards. Like, even if you get done at like, you're done playing at like 11, 1130, you pack up, you know, even by the time you get home, you're still wired for a couple hours. That's usually mm-hmm. what I find. I can't just go right to bed. You know, I'm still yeah. pretty wired. So. But we, we know we, for a regional cover band in New Hampshire, we, we've um, we've done pretty well. We've had some some success. I feel very fortunate. Uh, we get hired for a lot of private gigs, which I love doing. And um, probably the two biggest gigs that we've done, we played um, the Pumpkin Festival in Keene, New Hampshire, which was a which was internationally known. There was actually a riot oh, wow. that that happened in 2015 or 14, it ruined it for everybody. They shut it down. They don't do it anymore. Um, so uh, we played that, and then we did, uh, we opened up for Recycled Percussion. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're in New Hampshire base, but they had a Vegas show, and and um, we opened for them, and it was, it was probably like 20,000 people. So that, that was wow. pretty cool. That's cool to do that. And, uh, yeah, I love going to shows. I, I, I love collaborating with different people and, uh, you know, checking out different genres. And as far as, like, heavier stuff and metal, um, I don't I don't listen to it too regularly, but you know sometimes you want to throw it on. You know you want to get something more aggressive. You want to get fired up. Like it could be Marilyn Manson. Um, you know certainly Cannibal Corpse. I, I think I was telling you we we shot uh, two music videos for them back in November of 2020, uh, the week of the election actually, and uh, they ended up not using the videos. They went with another. They, so they had two different like productions going on and they went with the other one so mm-hmm. somewhere there is a uh, footage that we shot i sent you a couple of the behind the scenes photos yeah and the director is kind of still um shopping that around to other metal bands so hopefully someone will pick it up and it will come out in some form because mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun doing that it's basically like a 10 minute short film horror movie uh to that we were shooting for two of cannibal corpse's new songs off their most recent uh album which i thought was very very melodic like the guitar mm-hmm. playing and it's actually like really catchy. I, I liked it, so mm-hmm. that was quite an experience. And uh, you mentioned uh, Dave Brocky. Um, yeah, this was this was funny. So I, I I used to go to this thing in Worcester, Massachusetts called Rock and Shock, which is a, a horror and heavy metal convention. Mm-hmm. And um, they do the, the convention during the day where you can meet, you know, actors and celebrities and people in the horror world and get autographs and pictures. And then at night they have the the concert kind of across the street. Um, you know, lots of Juggalos, fans of Twisted, you know, I don't know what oh, they, yeah. they have a name, but they're kind of similar to Juggalos. I, I, I couldn't, it was hard to discern, but um, uh, there was a cast there of the TV show Holliston, and I, I, I didn't, I had never seen Guar without their, uh, the I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know Odorous Youngest uh, looked like without his makeup and costume. Mm-hmm. I was just talking, I just happened to be talking to this guy at this table, I, and um, we were talking about music and I said, uh, um, I said, yeah, I'm in a band. We're called Northern Stone and we're from New Hampshire. And he's like, oh, I, yeah, I'm in a band too. We've played in Manchester, New Hampshire. I was like, oh, what's the name of your band? He's like, Guar. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, dude, it's odorous. So yeah, he was really cool and I got his autograph and got a photo with him. And sadly, a few years later, he, he passed away, but he, he was really cool. They're really nice people, man. People in the metal community and the horror community are like the nicest people. Yeah, you know what? It's so funny because the stereotype is the exact opposite. You know what? Like, if you've been to a metal concert, you will never find like a more loving group of people because everybody just, you know, you mosh. And as soon as somebody falls down and, you know, they're going to get hurt or something like that, people stop. And the one thing funny enough that stands out to me, it it just um, occurred to me. I remember the first time I actually saw All That Remains, I remember um, they stopped the song because somebody fell and Phil said, Uh hey, let's get this guy out of here to make sure that they're okay. And then shortly after Five Finger Death Punch went up and then he said, hey, Phil came out and he performed within a hundred and five degree fever crushed it and yeah dude it's just the metal community is so loving and this is why i was a little bit panicked about some of the uh 
satanic panic stuff going on i'm like look i know where this goes and i grew up on heavy metal like if you find pictures of me when i was like 15 16 17 i'm the kid wearing the metallica shirt with hair down to my chest and everything and i just you couldn't get me away yes you couldn't get me away from like the gene simmons guar you name it all the heaviest shit you could possibly fucking imagine i know those bands aren't that heavy but still like that is like my childhood so like if you guys are gonna say this can't be played or you know this is satanic like fuck you dude these are seriously the nicest people and i play in a heavy metal band dude my bass player is like the biggest trump dude in the world my singer voted for trump um that's amazing yeah and and you know what we talk politics all the time and you know we disagree with stuff but you know what we still go out there we have a great time we played we up at fucking steel panther in front of over a thousand people and That's you know what awesome. we did right afterwards we went and had drinks afterwards and you know what i, I consider this dude one of my like best friends and oh yeah who cares about the political stuff who fucking cares absolute dude i feel the, i feel the same way man and, and when yeah. you're up playing none of that even matters it doesn't mean anything yeah. when you're playing a song and, and you're in the groove and there's nothing better than that man that feeling when the crowd's into it and you're mm-hmm. playing well and you're you know having fun that's what it's all about man and, and it's sad to see that politics and d- differences of opinion have uh, driven more people apart nowadays you know where, whereas before it was like yeah, it's like you said hey man you know we might not agree in X, Y, and Z, but you know we're friends, and 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 uh, we work we work on this project together and create something great and special and something that's artistic, and you know that's a beautiful thing. I mean, anything, anything that's really worth anything artistically, you know, there's going to be some friction along the way, or there's going to yeah. be disagreements in creating it, you know, and that's that's what really makes it good, though. I mean, it's mm-hmm. if we were all b- uh, believe the same thing, and we're all, you know, it'd be boring, you know, there there wouldn't be. Uh, there wouldn't be that magic that that exists uh, when you're playing, but uh, I was really bummed, man, during the the year 2020, especially no concerts. I don't mm-hmm. think I went. I I don't know that I went to any concerts, man. And I and I don't go to as many as I used to, you know, because of price and obviously schedule and just not being not being able to. But uh, I'll tell you what, man. Um, last year I spent thousands of dollars on concert tickets because uh-huh. it had been like almost two years, man. And I went and saw. Our, some of my I saw Paul McCartney at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw uh, a band I really love called Echo and the Bunny Men, who I had their guitarist on my podcast. Huge, huge. Yeah, fan. I saw that. Yeah, uh, a coworker of mine loves them. Oh, nice. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you got to uh, show them that picture. But uh, yeah, um, been into them, you know, since I was a teenager, and I've kind of gotten to know the guitarist a little, and which is surreal. He's just a really, really lovely guy. And um, and uh, an Irish singer who I'm going to see this weekend again, Gilbert O'Sullivan, who I also mm-hmm. uh, was able to have on the podcast, which was a dream come true. I mean, been into him since college. So, um, yeah, man, music is uh, it's, you know, it just brings a lot of different people together. And that's what's awesome about it. And uh, you mentioned uh, Phil from All That Remains. I got to have dinner with him and Reed uh, in December of 2021. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was cool because I brought my buddy Ricky um, who I've known since middle school, who used to do some producing for our podcast. Uh, he, he's since moved to Texas. Um, and he's a huge All That Remains fan and, mm-hmm. and has been, you know, knew about them before I ever knew about them. So I'm like, hey, man, we're having dinner with Phil Labonte. Do you want to come? He's like, dude, are you kidding me? So <laughs> he, he, I, we let them chat for like an hour. Well, me and Eric and Reed were just like, you know, having drinks and laughing. And mm-hmm. it was cool. And, you know, he signed an autograph for him. And, pose for photos and there were people who were coming up to him asking for autographs and he, he couldn't have been more gracious. So yeah, he, he's a, he's a sweetheart. I mean, he's got spicy takes and mm-hmm. I love when he trolls and he, he goes for the jugular, but he's just a really uh, genuine kind dude. Yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, it's been my experience with uh, meeting people through music at all times. It's just all the people are very, very kind. And every single time I've met somebody in like a uh, bigger band, just uh, like Adam D from Killswitch Engage. Um, if you ever watch his, you know, some of his videos or like how he acts on stage, it's so funny. I remember there was a uh, a guy crowd surfing in a wheelchair. And at the very end of the song, he's like, you no, I fucking love you. You, I fucking love you. Like, it's just, he cracks me the fuck up. And there was a, a video of him when Killswitch Gage played in Germany. And I remember he's like drinking a beer. He's like, does anyone want to take a shit on my balls? <laughs> like, <just laughs> off the wall shit. Yeah, right. But, you know, I, I did. I live for that. Oh, yeah, dude. The, the, the Being outrageous. And um, I don't know if you consider them metal. Uh, I saw her stained in corn. Uh, play. Mm, yeah, I like that. The corn, corn was awesome. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, man, it was corn. You know, that yeah. was some of the heavier stuff that I like. You know, I don't. 
I guess you could call it heavy, but um, they, they brought it. I mean, those dudes are in their 50s now, and they, they can still – they were really cool, man. Jonathan Davis came out playing the bagpipes during one of the oh, songs. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was, it was was an awesome show. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I love all kinds of music, man. And, and uh, if it's – you know, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff now is very uh, overly produced for a commercial reason and doesn't have a lot of soul, but there's still so much good music out there, man. You just – you know, I always love discovering new bands and new songs too. That's still something I really enjoy, and I enjoy sharing music with people too. You know, yeah, yeah. One thing that um, I, I don't know if you know Tommy Salmons. I, I think Eric does, but um, yeah, I know, I know. I don't think I've ever been introduced to him or podcasted with him, but I know you guys have, and Eric has, and I, I think uh, Reed is he yeah, a musician he's, too. He he was at one point when he was younger, but I'm him and I talk almost like every single day about just like dogs and music. And it's funny because we met through like libertarian podcasting, yeah, but yeah. Um, the, he researched a lot of like the globalist and conspiracy stuff. But um, the one thought that always occurs to me, um, there was this video of Dimebag Daryl um, from his DVD called Dime Vision, where he's in the bathroom, you know, like just out of the shower with his big old camera strapped to his hand. He's just talking about like what makes you cringe and basically just discussing how like to some certain people this that like slide of the hand on a fretboard make make other people just go absolutely insane. And then other people are like, wow, that's just so cool to hear that human element. Uh, but like the interesting part of that is that that's human, right? Like my singer, when we recorded our four song EP, I, I just, I can never get this out of my head. I remember he's sitting there, our engineer sitting there trying to like pitch correct our singer. And he just stops. He says, look, I can fuck with this forever, but like, you're so spot on that. I, I can't do anything with this, but hmm. you, what's beautiful about that is that she worked for that. That's her. And no one else is going to be able to sound like her. No one's going to be able to sound like me, but you know, what's awesome about that is that we have our own unique sound and no one's going to be able to drum like you. Right. So yeah, that's just could, beautiful. No, no artificial intelligence can ever replace right. that, man. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, it has kind of a cold, kind of a soulless, uh, vapid feeling to it when it, when it's AI, you, you, yeah. it just doesn't have that human element. And uh, like, you know, a really great classic Beatles tune is the cover of twist and shout that they did. And John Lennon sang lead vocals on that one. And his voice was shot because he was singing all day and his throat was hurting. And mm. they ended up using the last take with the last thing that he had sung that day. And that's the one in the final recording. And uh, it's memorable. You know, it's very memorable. And, um, yeah, musicians, you just put your own touch on it, your own personal touch. And it, it is very unique. Mm. Yeah, there's just always something cool about hearing some of those imperfections sometimes. Or like, yeah, the one thing that came to mind was uh, if you're familiar with Lamb of God, but um, when they wrote the song Walk With Me in Hell, at the very end, they had Randy, their singer, run around the block real quick. So at the very end, they get a specific sound out of him with like the breathing <laughs> and the way that he would sing it. So just like cool stuff like that. And when you learn these little tidbits and facts, it's just really interesting to hear how they incorporate that into their music. And, um, you know, I, I don't think you're ever going to get technology to replace that. And that's something that's truly beautiful about music and that, um, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever lose. And we should always, you know, be grateful for that and keep politics and stuff like that. Like, it's OK to have your political beliefs that I'm interested in hearing people who play music's political opinions. Mm -hmm. But like, let's not get so dogmatic about, you know, approach to music and politics and music together. Like, just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I agree. I think anyone who has a plot, they have a right to freedom of speech and to put their political views out there. But um, yeah, some some political albums or out concept albums that are political, they're not they're not usually that good. I don't gravitate towards those ones typically. I don't know. Yeah. Um, even if I agree with them, it's like, oh, that's a little that's a little cringe. Yeah, I, it I, just I, doesn't. It has a life. It has a very, very finite life. Yeah, yeah, it's a, exactly. It might not be uh, timeless. I mean, concept, concept albums are great. Obviously, uh, Dark Side of the Moon just turned fifty, and um, I love Roger Waters' views on a lot of stuff. Super bass, super truthful. Um, but I do know a lot of people who are Pink Floyd fans and, and fans of his music that were very put off by um, his shows, his live shows. But me personally, I would go see him play live. I'd love the whole thing. But mm. I can I can see someone who's not political and they're like, man, I just want to hear the music. But he's like, if you're one of those who doesn't like my political views, you can fuck off to the bar right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the show's about to start. So, I mean, that you know, that that certainly turns people off. But that that is that that's kind of been who he, he's always been that, though. It's really kind mm. of the thing, you know, he's he's. 
I don't view him as someone who just grapples on to an issue, um, like an issue of the month, you know, a flavor of the month type deal. I mean, that's really part of who he is. So I think that's legit. But yeah, some, sometimes it's just cringe when you, you see a famous person or a musician's hot take on something that they obviously have no idea what they're talking about, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but hey, you know, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I agree with you. They should be able to have a platform. When I see people saying, oh, just shut up and play music. Like, no, just hear them out. You don't have to agree with them. Like Ted Nugent. Yeah. Ted Nugent's incredibly outspoken, but the dude's (laughs) super talented. Like, let him speak. I don't care. Hey, yeah. His his freedom of speech doesn't bother me. You know, and that's the thing. (laughs) People are so bothered. Dude, change the channel. Don't look at it. Don't listen to it. I just don't. I don't understand how people are. So worked up over shit like that. You know, it's like Mike Mike Tyson's like, if you don't like it, you can change your station. I think we'll do that, Mike. Have a nice fight. <laughs> Fuck off. You know? Tyson summed it up, man. If you don't like it, Kyle, you can change your station. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm here fighting all the time. Can I just get a boy job? I sacrificed so much of my life. Kyle, he's getting laid. I'm going to rob the most of my money. I get a blow job. He's like, are you talking out of turn again? Uh, no, I, I thought we were all talking. I don't normally do interviews of female reporters unless I fornicate with them. So you shouldn't talk unless you want to, you know. <laughs> I love Tyson. Tyson is a uh, dream guest. He's a dream guest. Well, you know what's funny is that I've watched both his appearances. I think he might have been on Joe Rogan three times. But, like, listening to him on there, I'm like, he's, like, the nicest, most humble guy ever. But the problem was people fucking sat there and goaded him and got him all fucking jacked off. And then oh, yeah. he, he has a fucking temper, so he freaks the fuck out. Yeah. But, you know, like, just when – in a situation like right here, he'd be, like, the nicest dude in the world. At least that that was my impression. Oh, totally. He's, he's – you can tell he's really calmed down a lot and he's evolved in a lot of his thinking and – He's like, you know, I just, I don't want to hurt people no more, Joe. I just I don't like it. Like I, I back then I wanted to hurt them. I wanted to destroy them. I wanted to bite the earlobes. Now I just, I don't want to hurt people no more. I just not interested in it, you know. But he he got into really good shape there a couple of years ago for that exhibition that he mm-hmm. did. That was really cool to see that. He's 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 still got it, man. I I, I wouldn't want to take an, an uppercut from that dude. That's for sure. You yeah, know, that might be like he, the. That might be like the last uppercut, you know, any of us ever gets like that you ever take. Yeah. The next thing you're going to see punk is the floor, you know, <laughs> but no, he, he's incredibly eloquent. And, and he's like, I just ate a bunch of mushrooms. I can't wait to see how this turns out. You know, like he's like really like kind of like psychedelic now. I, I, I'm here for it, dude. I love it. I, lo- I love yeah. Tyson. Well, you know, whatever uh, kind of keeps him down on the ground and, uh, you know, happy and healthy. He, I know he was doing like a little vegan thing, and then he finally turned around and kind of went back to a floor diet. But, you know, whatever keeps a dude happy and healthy. So, oh, you know, yeah. and that's what I'm all for, for all people. And I think, you know, you guys represent a lot of the same thing. Um, you know, anti-war and then, you know, leaving people alone and you know, just being happy and not being a fucking shithead to people because it's it ain't fucking worth it, man. Life's too short, dude. It's way too short, man. You know, I've lost a couple friends in the last year that were my age, and they're not here anymore. And it's like, holy shit, you know, mm-hmm. that really hits you. And um, yeah, it's too short for petty bullshit. And you know, if you don't like something, you know, you can disagree. It's not the end of the world. And I think more people need to just kind of adopt that that type of uh, mindset. We'd probably be a happier place, you know. We'd be. But you know, the media, social media, the television, man, it's just. It's got control over a lot of us, you know. It really, it really alters our emotions and our moods and what we, you know, how we think about stuff. And most of it's just lies, you know. It's just a sales job and it's just propaganda. So, I just advise people shut the TV off, you know, mm. turn it yeah, off. Dude. I mean, you know, I like my entertainment, like everyone else, but I know when I go into something, I know that it's, you know, this is a, a distraction or an escape, and you got to have that, but. Um, it's be you know it's become the TV has just become a uh, you know TV television and social media is it's it's uh, we've like morphed with it you know it's like yeah. you know in the future we're we're gonna be part machine it's like we already are man we have this we're like this now this is an extension of our of our arm this mm-hmm. is like part of our arm now when you think about it so we're kind of already there yeah man it's sad to i guess a good note to wrap it on something that you touched on there a little bit earlier about um losing people i I think about this quite a bit because i do think about um you know some of the family members i lost over the course of my life because i lost all my grandparents by the time i was i think 17 years old um yeah i I saw a quote from i want to say it was Corey taylor the singer from slipknot when he was talking to vinnie paul um he's got a great voice by the way yes yes i I, I Um, love that stone sour song um bother uh, bother god what a great yeah. song that is oh Sorry. absolutely 
no, no, that's okay. Um, he was talking to Vinnie Paul about dealing with loss because Vinnie Paul had lost his brother. Vinnie Paul, the drummer of Pantera, had lost his brother when they were playing in Damage Plan in 2004. And um, the thing that he said is, well, you know, Corey, the thing you have to remember is that you're living for two now. You're living for that person. And um, I don't think any of the people that, you know, have left us would ever want us to sit there and wallow in our own self-pity. They would want us carrying on for them and, you Absolutely. know, keeping their spirits alive. I think that's the best way you can celebrate the people who are no longer here with us. Dude, I couldn't agree more, man. That was one of the last conversations I had with my father. Is that's precisely what he told me. He said, "You got to go out there and live and be happy and and, and go live your life and, and do what brings you joy." And I couldn't agree more with that. It's true. Yeah, very, Dude, very that, true. <laughs> shit hits like a ton of bricks, man. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. think of a better way to wrap it. Um, Mike, where can everybody find you, brother? So, uh, Jackman Radio, uh, Eric operates the Twitter at Jackman Radio. Uh, we are on Podbean, Spotify, um, iTunes, and we have a YouTube channel, Jackman Radio. Uh, we also are on Substack, and we have a Patreon. Uh, if you would like to support our work, become a monthly patron at uh, patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. And, um, yeah, man, we're just, you know, putting out shows and writing Substack articles and getting revved up for the New Hampshire primary 2024. So you're going to see a lot more from us uh, with that and hopefully more candidate interviews. And, uh, you know, Eric may or may not be, you know, bringing the Donald Trump character back to life at some point this year. Stay tuned for that. And uh, there's going to be a lot of great things. It's going to, it's going to be a Christmas. It's going to be an Easter miracle. It's going to be gone. The China flu is going to be gone <laughs> by Easter and it's going to be a miracle. We're going to stack the churches and we're going to rev up the economy. <laughs> Hell yeah, Mike. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I was really looking forward to uh, this conversation. It went um, just as great as I thought it would. So thank yeah, you. dude, if you don't got anything else, we'll close her out. Absolutely. Uh, for those about to rock, I salute you. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs>